Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Other Castle. Yes, welcome back to The Other Castle. I'm Andrea. And my name is Tom. And here on The Other Castle, we like to do book reports on video games. Well, kind of book reports. Yeah. If your book reports are very, very just like plot for plot, what happens, and then you being <laughs> like, why? Right, it's the kind of book report your teachers definitely told you not to do. Yeah. <laughs> We met at a state school, so, <laughs> but we were English majors, so we should know better. We should know how to do this better, but. Oh, college was a while ago, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, this week, we are doing a fabulous video game book report on a very spooky game. You and the spooky games. I love my spookies. You really do. There's just such good lore and horror. Like, when you can get really dark, it's very fun. <laughs> I'm kind of fucked up. It's all right. <laughs> I need to go back to therapy. <laughs> uh, this week we are doing Dead Space. Dead Space. Now, I have not asked you this question like outside of the show yet. Okay. And I am very curious. Why Dead Space? It's being remade right now. And I did watch the launch of the remake kind of expo thing that they did online. And oh, it okay. looked so fucking cool. Okay. So you got brought in because of the remake. Yeah, exactly. I got really into the remake and I got into the art of the remake. I thought the art was just gorgeous. Okay. Um, and I was just curious about the story and I got more and more into it. And I was like, I could retell this. This is cool as shit. I might play this when it comes out because I don't want to play the old one. The, uh, the graphics are kind of rough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this came out in 2008. 2008. Okay. So a million years ago in terms of graphics. Right. And I'm not a big horror game player. So this one definitely just went right by me. Oh, totally. And in 2008, I mean, you were in a different place in gaming. Yes. Portal had just come out, right? <laughs> I was also like waist deep in World of Warcraft. Where were you? Okay, so in 2008, you were spending your time on World of Warcraft? I was coming to the end of my World of Warcraft time, to okay. be real. But yeah, I was still playing a lot of World of Warcraft. For the Horde? For the Horde, of course. Okay. I don't know what I just said. I never even made an alliance alt. Like, I was pure <laughs> horde all the time. I didn't even make alts in the horde. I had one fucking character that I wow. played for six years on World of Warcraft, and that's it. Loved that guy. I used to play Neopets. <laughs> so I get it. No, I don't. Tom just gave me the dirtiest look. <laughs> um, I was in, a troll shaman, by the way. In 2008, I had a lot of opinions about cloves. Um, <laughs> I started getting tattooed. Um, oh, yeah, that was a real uh, trashy year for me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't grow to learn from it, so it's fine. We all have that year. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was a couple of years. It's fine. It's fine. So Dead Space, like I mentioned, came out in October of 2008 across North America, Europe, and Australia. So just American speaking. Or excuse me. Amer wow. Oh. How nationalist of me. Hello. Excuse me. <laughs> English speaking countries. Oh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they speak American. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am real trashy. This came out across the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC. Mm -hmm. And this was created by EA Redwood. Another EA title, huh? Yeah, but EA Redwood um, is a division of EA proper that was founded in 1998, and they are based in Northern California, like me. Oh, so you know, I was gonna say the Redwood. Yeah, exactly. And they mostly did licensed movie tie-ins. So this division specifically did a bunch of James Bond titles. Oh, um, and a bunch of Tiger Woods games. That's strange. Like, I feel like was this supposed to be kind of an alien? tie-in that they may have pitched that didn't work out so they 
You are not on the wrong path with this is a pitch that didn't work out. Really? Okay. I'm Oh damn. I'm so glad you brought this up. So Excellent. let me get into let me give you some context so you kind of understand the path we're going down. But you are absolutely looking down the right path. I, I know nothing about this. Like you, I have done zero research. I know nothing on Dead Space. So you were so you were a gamer at the time, but you weren't aware that this came out? I, like I said, went completely by me. No recollection of this game at all. And this was after you worked in the industry. Yeah. Absolutely. So it wasn't like you saw the title move or anything. It truly like just went by. It went by me entirely. Okay. Not like Lollipop Chainsaw where you couldn't not see it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like I knew Lollipop Chainsaw came out and I was like, what the fuck is happening? I feel like it just blended in. Yeah. Which, you know, things happen in 2008. It's a million years ago, like I said, in gaming. You know, this. So this group of EA did a, just a shit ton of licensed movie tie-ins, just a shit ton of licensed stuff. So it was a lot... And they weren't all bad, you know. They did a lot just to kind of, like, make them as fun as possible, but the team started getting a little bit restless. Hmm. Dead Space was their first big original IP and was originally named Rancid Moon, which is also a little East Bay. Rancid is from the East Bay. <laughs> I went to the same high school as Tim Armstrong. No big deal. <laughs> and Matt Freeman, it's a huge deal. Just saying. <laughs> East Bay punk forever. Throughout the game, there are some movie posters for a fictional franchise called Rancid Moon, which I thought was really cute. Oh, that's good. And Dead Space was such a big mover that in 2009, the year after, they rebranded EA Redwood to be Visceral Games so it could have its own voice. And it became EA's first genre studio within the EA ecosphere. Interesting. Yeah. So kind of like how, I mean, it's a terrible company to reference really because it's <laughs> Miramax. In the early days of Miramax, they divided off and got Dimension, which was kind of their horror division of, like, independent movies. Very much so, but they really earned it. Like, everything was EA, like, Montreal, EA, fucking Redwood, and they were like, oh, you guys have such a great voice, you get to call your shit your own shit. That's pretty cool. Really fucking, especially for such a big company like EA, that's yeah. fucking sick. Because EA is notorious for, like, fucking things up, usually, not doing the <laughs> right thing. Lately, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this isn't going to be great. They have since <laughs> dissolved <laughs> and merged back into EA proper with uh, a lot of the employees ending up at EA Vancouver and EA Montreal in 2017. Okay. For context, this was so big, they got their own like fucking shirts. They got they got to rename their team name. They got to be their own shit. Here's the flavor for you. Okay. EA was not super into letting the devs create their own original IP, intellectual property, meaning like a franchise or a new story of whatever. Because that's they, a gamble. Yeah, exactly. Which is also why we're only seeing remakes of things now in movies. Right. It's a safe bet. Yeah. At the time of pre-production, the studio was pitching a sequel to System Shock. <gasps> System Shock? I really? Before you get there, w let me get there. Wait. Let me get there. Oh, let me get the shot glasses. Hold up. <laughs> Let I, me didn't, get the I didn't realize we were going to be doing this. So if that sounds familiar and you know why Tom's pouring me a fat one right now, System Shock 2 ended up being Irrational Games and Ken Levine's big splash into gaming, which led them to... Bioshock. There he is, ladies. Oh, drink up, everybody. This was a pitch to make System Shock 2, which would have put Bioshock in a completely different world. Oh my word. Just before we get into this... What does that mean for you? I mean, did you know any of this going into it? I did not know the Bioshock System Shock tie-in, but as soon as I was reading up on it and doing listening to interviews with the creators, they were talking about how this was kind of what they wanted to do with System Shock 2. I was like, yeah, but, but that became 
that put you on the road to Bioshock with Kevin Levine right. and Irrational. Like, wait a minute. Oh, man. Which is like, there's a parallel universe where this happens and you'd be taking a system shot. The, the uh, <laughs> you're taking a system shot. Yeah, and Bioshock would have been a weird indie title in 2015. Right. <laughs> We'd be now doing the Bioshock episode as the Dead Space one. So obviously EA Redwood didn't land the pitch for System Shock 2. Right. Because that went to Ken Levine, which turned into Bioshock. Mm -hmm. But they did some really cool gameplay mods and story ideas that they really wanted to explore. Basically, when they created the pitch, what they said was they created like one or two rooms and they made them as scary as humanly possible. They were like, create these lights, do these kind of effects, create this music, make sure you explore in this specific way so that the player is fully immersed. One of their big things was like innovation and the other big thing was immersion. Mm. So, so much of how they created this game was just focused on making sure you lost your sense of self in the game and got super fucking into it and we get like a huge buy-in while you're playing. Oh, that's so great. This is a love fucking letter to horror. (laughs) You're staring at me like, I've never heard of this. It's just funny. Like, I'm still kind of reeling on the whole Bioshock of it all. Like, I was not expecting that moment. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, you know, and after Resident Evil 4 came out and was such a big hit for Capcom, the team was able to pitch this as a new IP with similar gameplay to their System Shock demo to EA. And EA was like, you know what? Let's fucking do this. You you guys seem stoked. This is kind of cool. We're seeing a really cool spike in unique IP and horror specifically. Like, obviously, Resident Evil 4, one, was a massive, like, commercial hit. And two, was a huge cultural and atmospheric inspiration for this game. So they're like, okay. Yeah. Let's see what you can do. You've given us some pretty solid titles already. We've made our money back. Is it a uh, third-person shooter, then? Yeah, you're. It's not a centered one. You're kind of off to the side. Oh, really? You're, it's okay. an over the shoulder. Okay. Kind of situation. So not exactly like Resident Evil in that sense, but. Yeah, yeah. It's it's slightly altered. I I don't want to call it that because it's not super traditional. But okay. nothing in this game is super traditional. Frankly, really? Okay. Which is what's so exciting. Their creator director Glenn Schofield has a cat named Leo. Aww. That's how deep into the fucking files I got. <laughs> you got really far into it. If you know, it's <laughs> I get really name. into stuff. Now, is the cat's name relevant in this situation? No. Oh, really? Yeah, but if they have a cat, why wouldn't you bring it up? Okay, fair enough. He said he set out to create the scariest game of all time. Of all time. I mean, is it scarier than Outlast? Ooh. I, you know what? Outlast doesn't let you fight, which I think makes it a little scarier. Okay. Because you cannot, you, there's a you lot of combat def- in this. You can't defend yourself. You cannot defend yourself in Outlast. So I want to argue that... If you are talking about the experience, I mean, it took me days to do some sections on Outlast. That's fair. <laughs> so I was like, one, frustrated, and two, like, fuck this noise. Yeah. And I was playing on a Switch. The <laughs> happiest fucking gaming device on Earth. Right. The Disneyland of devices. Fuck you. They worked so hard on this game, they actually had it debugged and ready to ship two weeks early. Oh, wow. That's- you don't hear about games coming out early. We are in the cyberpunk 77 fucking 77 months later after it's announced fucking <laughs> delays and shit world. They received a letter from PlayStation saying is one of the cleanest games ever delivered. God damn. Right? Like PlayStation doesn't just give that letter out to anybody. No, why would they? Yeah. <laughs> but they were like, you gave this to us early and it's completely debugged. Good for you. Wow. Which is also, I think, why they were like, hell yeah, you're not EA Redwood. You are visceral. Okay, because they were just turning out something that was better than the competition. 
Absolutely. And like to also create such a clean product, like that's unheard of. Yeah. Commercially, this didn't do great when it first came out, but it rolled into a cult classic and has since eventually sold over a million copies. Okay. And it has had two full length sequels, though there is a Dead Space 2 and a Dead Space 3. All right. In terms of ratings and critical acclaim, it got an 89 out of 100 on Metacritic. That is a solid score. 9.25 out of 10 on Game Informer. Full five stars out of five on GamePro. Okay. 8.7 out of 10 out of IGN and 9.10 from GameSpot. Nice. So really high ranking. This is an A-level game. Yeah, people were loving it. Aside from everything about this game being genuinely terrifying and immersive, the game was also heavily awarded for its audio specifically. Really? It got the Game Developer's Choice Award for Best Audio. It got the British Academy Game Awards for Best Original Score and Best Use of Audio. Wow. Which, why do they have two separate audio things? Right. Um, the Dice Award for Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition and Action Game of the Year. What made it so unique? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't re- I didn't discuss this with you no, either. No, we have not rehearsed any of this You're at all. I'm just killing it on the segues. Like I've done this before. The music was composed by Jason Graves, who did all of the Dead Space games. He did the music for Until Dawn, okay. one of our favorite horror games, Yeah, which I was thinking about today because they were talking about doing a remake. Yeah. <sighs> it's so good. I don't like. It's so good. It already looks pretty solid. It looks beautiful. You can see Hayden Panettiere's Nitrogene ass face. You can see Rami Malek's Oscar award winning face. It's and great. Sunken eyes. Yeah. And then everyone else that's involved in the game. Oh, yeah. And all the rest. <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> no, that game's fucking great. Jason Graves also did Far Cry Primal. He did the Friday the 13th game. Okay. And. He was the sound engineer, or if you're a Forgetting Star Marshall fan, the Peter Bretter for the <laughs> remakes of Magnum P.I. and Hawaii Five-0. All right. So he's kind of all over the place, super into sound, has a crazy ear. And Glenn Schofield, the creator director, was super into the audio. He was like, at every turn, this is so important. Because so many games do a game and then they create music afterwards or they slot music in. He said, no, music is integral to being immersed in horror. You absolutely have to do this. No, that's fair. Glenn also said that he would have the team watch about a 20-minute segment of a horror movie with the sound off. And then he would do the exact same segment with their eyes closed and only the audio and would ask the team which was scarier. Every single time the team said it was the blind watch with audio only that was scarier. Wow. Just to prove his point, and it's a great way to prove your point. Yeah, and like I keep saying atmospheric for this game. So much of this game's core values are in atmosphere. One of his favorite things about Resident Evil 4 is the smokiness and the fog Mm. and the atmosphere of that game. And he wanted to recapture that and he wanted that magic to be throughout this entire game in his ecosphere. It's so wonderful. That's fantastic. This is my favorite fucking part. (laughs) Jason Graves, the sound designer, said he was going to work one day. Where is he? He's in Northern California. Mm -hmm. Where is he going to work on? The BART train. (laughs) The train that I used to ride every single day. Oh, yes. He got to work, and he said, hey, Glenn, I heard the worst sound on Earth today. And Glenn's like, what was it? And he goes, it's the sound of BART going from West Oakland to Embarcadero when it goes underneath (laughs) the water. And Glenn goes, hell yeah, record that shit. (laughs) What? And they sampled the sound of BART going underwater in the tunnel when you're completely submerged. You're going underneath the Pacific Ocean to go from Oakland to San Francisco to the peninsula. 
it's like a screeching sound. I've done that. I've been on that train, so I know exactly what that sound is. It is like a loud screech and like a whistle. And if you're not used to it, your ears pop. Yeah. It can be a little disorienting. Yeah. I was basically born on that. Um, <laughs> and that is sampled in the game. That's pretty cool. That is in the audio files. And I was like, yep, I'm doing this game. This is a perfect fucking game for me. I am so East Bay. I have two 510 tattoos. I, I am aggressively <laughs> East Bay as fuck. <laughs> No, I mean, asked at the beginning, like, why are we doing this episode? But now there's more and more reason that I see why this episode's happening. So let's just, let's fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that is fair. That's kind of all the fun shit I have. But like, the love, the care, and the detail that went into this game is mm -hmm. wild. So let's get it in the game. The year is 2508, and the world is completely fucked. Earth is garbage. Mm. So there's spaceships of scavengers called planet crackers that go out in space to get resources from other planets to help save humanity and just like keep people fucking going. Mm -hmm. You play as Isaac Clark, who is a Gemini, and he's 43 years old. 43 years old. Yeah, so he's right in between Gordon Freeman, 27, and Bendy Henry, who's like in his <laughs> 60s. That's a reasonable age, you know? Like, that's the age they expected a Gordon Freeman to be. I thought he'd be like late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Isaac's. Well, I guess Isaac's early 40s. It's 43. Yeah. He's from the U.S. and he's a white guy. He works on the USG Kellyon. Kellyon, excuse me. <laughs> it's pronounced a little funky. It's a spaceship and he is a ship systems engineer. Okay. So he's a blue collar spaceman. But he can fix shit. He can fix shit. Good. And he is purposely a silent protagonist because Glenn Schofield loved Dr. Gordon Freeman. Oh, Dr. Gordon Freeman. My boyfriend from Half-Life. Oh, my gosh. So truly inspired by Gordon Freeman, they made Isaac a silent protagonist. Okay. Which, how could I not fall in love with this game? <laughs> He's a little old for me, but that's okay. So the game opens with static and a transmission of a mission report of the USG Kellyan en route to the Aegis system with a list of crewmates and two directives. The crewmates are Isaac Clark, engineering and ship system specialist. Mm -hmm. You know, our blue collar guy. He's got a wrench. Kendra Daniels, a computer specialist. Wait, you said he has a wrench? And not like Bioshock. I was just saying that like okay. probably in his hit. <laughs> he, you don't use a wrench in the game. Okay, okay. But like he knows how to use one. He's handy with one. He's a blue collar spaceman. All right. And Zach Hammond, the chief security officer, HBIC. Oh, so this is a uh, chief... I ad-lib the HBIC. But yes, he is the chief security officer. Okay. Your two directives are locate mining vessel USG Ishimura, diagnose and repair communications blackout. Okay. Sounds simple enough. <laughs> but it's not. Oh, no. We're in dead space. <laughs> the Space Corps would not enjoy this. Then we cut to a video of a white woman alone apologizing to Isaac. Isaac has been watching a video from his estranged girlfriend, Nicole, who's named after Glenn Schofield's daughter. Oh. I got way too into his interviews. <laughs> he, he really did. He is really charming, and he seems so smart. Like, his passion for these games come through so well. He's really cool. And he seems very open about his personal life as well, like, to be revealing his cat's name, his well, daughter's his, name. His cat walked into an interview, and he was like, is Leo in the shot? I'm so sorry. Oh. It was actually kind of cute. It was very endearing. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac is watching this video over and over again. Nicole has been working on the USG Ishimura, which is why Isaac is like, hell yeah, I'll go check this shit out. Kendra, who's super sassy and is like kind of her only personality trait. Okay. Like, spoiler alert, her whole thing is just giving people shit. Just sass. Yeah. <laughs> 
So she's like, oh, are you still watching that shit? <laughs> the crew is now getting really close to USG Ishimura, which is the biggest ship in its class. So this shit is huge. There's like a thousand people on this ship. Oh, it's okay. So it's like that size. Fucking gigantic. Like, would you compare it to the ship in Wally? Or like the ship in Titanic? Okay. <laughs> in space. In space. Okay. And the ship is completely dark, which is eerie as fuck. Oh, it's a dead ship? Dead spaceship. Oh, that's scary as and hell. they're not responding to any comms that are coming from Isaac's ship. So obviously, you know, in airplanes, there's like a radar that tells you if you're getting too close to other airplanes. Right. Same deal with spaceships in the future. And they've been sending beacons like, hey, are you guys okay? We noticed the lights are off. Are you guys good? We're nearby. No one's responding. Nothing's pinging back. And they're like, Yo, they sent out an emergency beacon a while ago. Right. No one's responded. We're the closest. And poke, poke, no one's home. Ooh. I know. So we have to go and investigate this abandoned spaceship? Yep. In space. This is going to be bad. It's bad. It's scary. (laughs) While docking, something goes wrong with the Kellyan, and it crashes into the Ishimura, which really fucks up both ships. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, like, truly, the power's, like, basically dead at Ishimura. There's emergency power, so it's not like you're in complete darkness like in Outlast, and doors work and shit. It's basically a dead ship, which is fucking eerie. Yeah, that's terrifying. Because, like, in space, there's no sound either, so... Yeah, no one can hear you scream. Oof. Isaac leads the crew on board, and the whole crew is like, that's so weird, no one's here. There's supposed to be security at the port. Mm -hmm. We fucking crashed in, and no one heard anything and came running. Like, this is fucking creepy as shit. And there's no comms internally on the ship even to be like, hey, is someone out there? Like, I'm on the left side. Fucking help. Not even like a walkie-talkie system. No. So Isaac's girlfriend was working on this ship, so he's like, quietly freaking out. He's like, yeah, he's not saying anything, but... Your girl's on this ship. No, there's no sign of life. Mm-hmm. Is my girlfriend okay? And Kendra's kind of like, she's probably fine. <laughs> and she, like, Kendra's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of hers. She's just reminding him that his girlfriend is somewhere out there and that the situation is complete trash. Well, she's the sass machine. That's her job. <laughs> she is the sass machine. So she starts punching some buttons and she's like, there's no power on the ship, like, basically at all. And the internal ship's tram system is broken. Okay. The ship is so big it needs the it tram. It has a tram system that can take you like for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. If need be. <laughs> like Black Mesa. <laughs> but it truly needs the tram to get you throughout parts of the ship because there's like pods and you're outside so you can't have exposure to space and shit. So you do need the tram to work. Sounds like a city. Yeah. Okay. The crew tries to reset the system in the loading bay where they kind of crash landed. And Isaac leaves the docking bay momentarily to try and get the computers online. He's an engineer. He can button mash and do some cool shit. Mm -hmm. While he's doing this, he leaves the room that they were in and an air filter system restarts and kicks the overall security system into quarantine, which locks Isaac outside of the docking bay and the rest of his crew inside this docking bay. Okay. He can see through an observation window and the lights start flashing and something falls from the ceiling and enters the docking bay with the crew. Oh, damn. They immediately open fire, but the creature starts killing the disposable members of the crew. The disposable members? It's like two or three people. The the red shirts? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The dying remaining crew members tell Isaac to run. 
Now, up until this point, how much have you been actually playing? Is this all done in cutscene, or is this all done you are playing through it uh, the way you do in, like, Half-Life or Bioshock? Oh, you're playing through. One other thing that Glenn wanted to do with this, Glenn, like I know him, Glenn Schofield <laughs> wanted to do with this game is go as few cutscenes as possible. Okay. So even while shit's happening, you can kind of walk around, you can kind of move and stuff. You're not stuck in cutscenes. It Got opens it. with that cutscene of you watching the video, but as soon as that's over, you can start like moving your head and being very interactive. He didn't want to take you away from the gameplay. It's so fascinating because that was exactly the same thing with Bioshock and Ken Levine is that those are the exact same things he wanted to do where he didn't yeah. want to do cutscenes. He wanted to have it where the player was interacting during the cutscenes kind of a thing. And they were both inspired by Half-Life, but they separated at this weird juncture <laughs> where the, the Static Shock 2 was supposed to come out and then they both made their own games, but they stayed so close to like a lot of the same ideals. That's so weird and like... I mean, Half-Life's a fantastic fucking game. Why wouldn't you want to model yourself after it? Oh, totally. But at the same time, like this Dead Space, this doesn't sound like anything like Half-Life for the rest of it, though. No, and this doesn't sound like Bioshock. Right. It doesn't play like either of those. But like, they have like the same philosophies in like what they want out of their games. Those core values. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why these games stand out, though, because they put care and innovation and immersion at the forefront rather than like other elements of it. This is uh, really cool. Oh, I'm so glad you're into it. I thought you'd be like, this is creepy. Well, because so far it sounded like it could have just been done in a cutscene because like there didn't sound like there's much combat. There wasn't much action going on, but it's cool that you get to like interact with this while you're going through it. Oh, totally. And I'm really glad you asked. Like when you bring up Bioshock, I think of when you're in the Bayosphere and you can still move your head around yeah. like you're not stuck statically. And that's how this plays out. Like when you're landing and stuff, obviously you can't run around and shoot shit yet, but you can control your character and you can right. control Isaac. You know, we have both running through Last of Us 2 where you can put it down, make a snack and come back <laughs> before the next action set piece. Yeah, some of those cutscenes are long. Yeah. Like really long. They have a lot of conversations like, <laughs> please stop telling me about the aquarium, baby girl. <laughs> I want to shoot something. <laughs> I have so many craftables. Yeah. This has no craftables. So Isaac escapes through an elevator and finds a plasma cutter, which is one of your first primary weapons. Mm. Right above the plasma cutter on the wall, there's a warning written in blood. Written in blood. One of the most iconic visuals of the game. In blood, it says, cut off all their limbs. Now, I've seen the trailer, and I have definitely noticed that in the trailer. Oh, it's perfect key art for this. Yeah. We've had so much blood writing on walls. <laughs> In video games, if you notice that too, we're getting that trope a lot. It is a trope, like, <laughs> you know, like, no one has a fucking pen in these games. <laughs> they all just have blood and their fingertips. <laughs> That's it. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> so you hear someone being attacked and you get into your first battle. So this is a tutorial with these creatures. They are called necromorphs. Now, I don't want to get too deep in the woods about it, but there are like a dozen different variations of necromorphs. Okay. There are, some are really tiny, and they honestly do look like the crabs from Half-Life. Oh, do they? And there are some that are stories tall. Oh, damn. <laughs> so there's a wide range. A lot of them, for the most part, are mutilated corpse-looking things. So they look a little humanoid, but they're cut up, they're fucked up, and it looks kind of like they have swords on the end of their extremities. Ooh. So a little spidery, and they seem really tall. They're often pretty skinny. They're super aggressive and fast. Okay. Now, I want to tell you that they're, like, long and lanky and skinny because, like, the message says, 
to kill them, you can't just headshot them. You have to cut off their limbs. What? Yeah, so no Wait, matter... like they're vampires or something? <laughs> Basically. So you do have to dismember them. Dismember them. Yeah. Just after you dismember them, do you have to, like, stab them in the heart, cut their head off? Is, no. Now, is cutting the head off part of the dismembering? It can be, but you still have to get some legs and arms off. So even if you get the head by itself, the rest can still keep going? Yeah. What are these things? Necromorphs. Now, am I burying the lead asking, are these former people? It's called Dead Space. <laughs> I'll give you that before I get too deep into this. Okay. But, you know, for the most part, ranging from crab to giant dudes, for the most part, a lot of the common ones you run into are about six-ish feet tall okay. and look like these giant pointy spidery guys. Got you. And not a lot of games make you dismember things. No. You're, a lot of gamers are very trained to just run for headshots. Now, the plasma cutter and a lot of your guns are a ranged weapon where you might get like three hit points in one bullet or one shot. Okay. So you get kind of a line of ammo. So you can line it up to say, I will shoot off that left arm by hitting you right here and it'll go across kind of like a fruit ninja, but real <laughs> <Okay>. fucking dark. <laughs> and it was so unique to this gameplay. And one thing that the developers did was they didn't want to say if you cut in the middle of the arm, the arm cuts off at the shoulder. So they put hit points in every single bit of the arms. Wow. Because they did not want to cheat you of that moment of exactly where you dismembered a necromorph. You really don't see that because it's exactly like you said. If you're going to chop off an arm, it's like no matter where you cut them, you can cut their fingertips and their shoulder blade pops off. Oh, isn't that bullshit? Yeah. That's such bullshit. But yeah, you're right. It does happen. But this game puts so much love in it. They were like, EA trusted us. We are not letting these motherfuckers down. We're going to swing so fucking hard. That it's going to chop off of the limb right where we want it to. It's their hit the light moment. Like, it's Man, so good. That's really good. Ugh. The care that went into this is pretty unparalleled for the time. And you're seeing now, I mean, more and more why they were able to split off and be their own studio after this, too. Oh, totally. And we're in chapter one. <laughs> so you make it back to the quarantine zone and find that Kendra and Hammond, the only two named characters, are alive. Okay. But everyone disposable is dead, and they're like, oh, holy shit, how are you alive? <laughs> and you're like, I say nothing. I also want to take a beat to talk about how you play as Isaac. So there's no HUD at all in this entire game. No HUD. No. No heads-up display. How? <laughs> so Isaac's spacesuit has a health bar on Isaac's spine that's reactive to the gameplay to replace a traditional HUD that has a health bar. So these lights, like go out as your health goes down? Exactly. Okay. It's kind of this pipe along your back that has little sections that light up like a battery pack. Yeah. And yeah, the more you get hit, the lower the light goes down. And then when you're on your last legs, it goes from green to red on your last oh, bar shit. and then you die. Okay. That's a pretty creative way of doing this without having like a heads up display. Yeah. And then when you're shooting your gun... It's a plasma cutter, so you do get a display of where your hit points are, and the ammo shows a number right above that. Right above it? Yeah. Okay. So it's supposed to look like a digital display of where you're shooting. Right. That's pretty good. Almost like ARG more than anything. Yeah, and all they wanted to do was just make sure you are immersed and you don't feel taken away from the story. They were like, no, the only thing we're showing you is what's happening. Okay. No bullshit. That's pretty dope. It's so fucking cool. And this was inspired by a scuba diver's life pack. Really? Yeah, which was kind of cool. And, you know, I just love it. 
Uh, I mean, it's great that they use scuba diving because a lot of times, you know, you do see a lot of the crossover between like how they will test the spacesuits underwater because it has to do basically the exact same thing. That's right. Yeah. Oh, very cool. One really cool gameplay thing that they also innovated while doing this is running and shooting. Oh. So Glenn Schofield said that Resident Evil 4, again, one of his favorite games, he hated having to stop or slow down to aim and shoot. Yeah. So they did a ton of work to make sure he'd be able to be physically running and holding a gun and shooting while he's running. Because it is a pain in the ass to stop to have to shoot something. It is, but it's also, I've played a lot of games where it's really hard to run and gun at the same time. So if they were able to get those mechanics down, that's pretty awesome. In 2008. Yeah, they were also cutting off limbs like in precise <laughs> places. So I'm weirdly trusting this team now, even though I've never <laughs> even played this fucking game. You're so like, I'm I sold. am in. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what made me really fall in love with this. The more I found out how much care and the devils in the details for this game. I just, oh, I'm fucking in. So chapter one is called New Arrivals. That's where we're in, but I wanted to make sure we had all that stuff out. So now it's just plot. I promise. Okay. I will not keep talking about how brilliant Glenn Schofield is, even though he <laughs> absolutely is. And he's running Call of Duty right now. He's a fucking oh, genius. <laughs> I want to see him do more original IP. Anyway, Hammond and Kendra are trapped in this quarantine bay <laughs> in the docking thing. So they're like, Isaac, go out and fix some shit so we can get in the tram and start moving around the ship. Mm. And Hammond's like, by the way, we'll find your girlfriend. Hammond's quiet and he's thoughtful and he's a little more reserved where Kendra's just like, I'm a bitch. Yeah, he's the opposite of sassy Kendra. Yeah, because <laughs> you need a little balance. Yeah. Um, he's an older black guy. Kendra's a younger white woman. You know, night and day. <laughs> so Literally. You go on some fetch quests to go fix shit around the ship and you're moving along and going forward, Hammond and Kendra are able to hop on your comms, mm -hmm. either in vocal radio transmissions, so just audio, or in video transmissions where they FaceTime you, just for updates and plot movement. Okay. So that just happens. And they must be so annoyed because you're an engineer who can fix everything, but you refuse to speak to them. Do they call you out for not talking back to them at all? No, but they should. Because <laughs> how funny would that be? Yeah, like, like, you are not a silent protagonist, asshole. <laughs> He's like, I literally am. Right. So you're going through the ship, and you can find video logs and audio logs. Oh, take your bio shots, everybody. <laughs> this is a drunk episode. It must be, yeah. If you're doing bio shots. Oof. The game that would have been. <laughs> like, let Glenn Schofield and Ken Levine come together to put something together. It sounds like they already did that. Give me that. <laughs> While you're going through and picking up either audio logs, video logs, there's some computer screens you can look at that give you text updates and shit of just what happened because you have no idea what's going on. Right. And you're like, so why is no one on the ship? And why is it overrun with alien monsters? Right. You restore the Ishimura's tram system, and Isaac returns to the flight lounge area to fix the Kellyon because he's like, well, now our ship's fucked, so I guess I'll work on that while you guys fix the comms on this ship. They can't just leave this giant ship out here, right? Like, it's the biggest in its class. It's a planet cracker, so we need it to fucking get resources back to the Earth. Right. So they're like, don't just fucking leave it out in it's the space. It's a valuable asset. Hugely valuable. So he's like, well, let me go fix our ship. You guys fucking turn the lights on. But also we need to understand why it's empty and why there's nobody here. And now are they encountering any dead bodies? Are they encountering any signs of former people or is it only aliens they're encountering? Now you did see a wall <laughs> with a message written in blood. 
You are not getting to bodies yet. There are no bodies near the flight bay. Okay. There's going to be bodies, though. We're going to have some bodies hitting the floor. Yeah. Okay. Not to spoil it, but that's the point of the show. <laughs> so, spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> I've worked in weed before, in yeah. legal cannabis. And my interview where I landed a job, they were, gave me my offer, they gave me all my shit, and I went, is there going to be a drug test? <laughs> you did not. Yeah, I did. You asked them if there's going to be a drug test at the fucking... Yeah, and they stared at me and I was like, my sense of humor did not work out for me here. <laughs> but same vein, this show has spoilers. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> they were like, the fuck is wrong with you? I was there for a year. I was their favorite employee. You were their best employee. I was. So nice they hired me twice. That's true. Anyway, Isaac Clark is like, I'm going to go fix our ship because we fucked that up on landing. Mm -hmm. And before he can go, creatures attack the shuttle that he sees and it explodes and a wreckage like plummets to the bottom of the hangar bay. So everything is super fucked. Oh, damn. A majority of the game from here going forward is literally just trying to restore your own ship, mm -hmm. restore power, flip knobs, and just running back and forth to bring broken shit to fix it and new shit to fix broken shit. I don't want to get in the weeds in that. Like, I get that it's a valuable asset, but this does not sound worth it. It's also very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get too far in the weeds to this. I'll tell you when it's story relevant, but just so much of you going around is just being like, we need to find the core. Do we have a battery? Oh, you have to go over here and turn the power on before we can get the comms over here oh working. God. That's like my least favorite game mechanic. I've got to <laughs> be fetch honest. quests? A, a poorly done fetch quest, especially, where it's a fetch quest within a fetch quest within one that you've got to like. Where it just kind of uh, domino effects out into like, and now we got to fix this broken shit. Yeah. I get you. Because it just feels like you're following arrows pointing in different directions and then it feels like you're going in a circle because you're not moving too far. Right. But with this kind of game, it's tricky because there's not a lot happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of finding out what happened before and then figuring out where to go from here. So it's tricky. I, I get it. And also your ship is broken. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> One other really cool weapon you get here is the stasis module. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple different versions, but... It can basically put a temporary motion pause on things. Oh, so, bullet time the world? Yeah. Okay, I was trying to think of a cool way of saying this, but so the aliens are very fast. Yeah. Or necromorphs. They're not, they're kind of, eh, it's a weird thing. We are in space. It's space monsters. The space <laughs> monsters are fast, so you can do the stasis power on them so they stop so it's easier to dismember them oh damn just because their arms do move they don't make it easy for you okay there this takes a lot of precision so you can be like huzzah stop moving let me cut off your legs so like when you're cutting them off is the blood like flying off in like slow-mo <laughs> too and shit? not really oh that'd be dope no it kind of just holds them and then drops them and it's gross they just fall apart when you let go well you can see it kind of just it, it's gross man <laughs> So the next chapter is called Intensive Care. Hammond and Kendra are like, we have to find out what happened and what's going on because this is, we need fucking backup and yeah. I don't know what kind of backup to call. Like, <laughs> this is fucking terrifying. And they're like, Isaac, you need to find the captain of the ship. The captain has a rig which has the codes to override the ship's security measures so we can start getting through the ship without any drama. Right. So I'm telling, makes you about, sense. I'm telling you about that fetch quest because it makes sense and it's relevant. No, it makes sense. <laughs> but some of these are like, go find a box. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking just go over there and flip a switch for me. There's only three of us. Yeah. 
So they need to get into restricted areas. They need to get in, like the captain's fucking coop or whatever. Totally get it. Isaac's going through and he finds a log from his girlfriend, Nicole. Oh, shit. Who's basically like, holy shit. Things are getting really bad. People are getting hurt and they're going crazy. Oh, Nicole is voiced by Kennedy from Buffy. Really? Okay. A lot of these other people aren't uh, TV or movie personalities. They're kind of smaller roles and they do great in this game. The voice acting is really well done. I mean, the actress who played Kennedy, I don't think did much else after Buffy anyway. So that's her biggest title that I know her from. (laughs) I liked Kennedy. Yeah. I'm a Kennedy apologist, though. Nicole, his girlfriend, Kennedy from Buffy, also someone else's girlfriend, She's in the medical area of the ship, and she's trying not to get infected. That's the term she uses. Infected. <laughs> we, again, we just played The Last of Us, so that's yeah. very triggering. <laughs> Some shit's going down on the ship. I, uh, I'm i scared. So Isaac finds the captain who's dead, and it's super creepy. He's in the morgue now. Also, while he's going through, he sees one random survivor. Finds a survivor? Who kills himself by smashing his head against a wall. He finally, he's about to be rest. Wow. This port. You look what sad. What is going on in this place? <laughs> so through some logs and other kind of bits and pieces, there's talk of infected and it appears that some of the survivors and crewmates were trying to isolate away from the infected, assuming the infected become necromorphs. It's also revealed that the dead can be possessed by necromorphs. So literally no one is safe, dead or alive. Oof. So this is like zombies like in Walking Dead where regardless of whether or not you get bit, once you die, you're going to fucking become one. (laughs) Damn. So technically all the necromorphs you see are dead humans. Good to know. Ugh, dead space. So Isaac's like, got it, got it, got it. Gets the rig, sends the codes to Hammond, who almost immediately gets attacked by a necromorph. <laughs> and of he course. Hammond thinks quick though and traps a necromorph in an escape pod. Oh, does he release it? He does say that it looks like the outbreak of the infected starts on AG7, which is the planet that we're right below, that we're orbiting right now. Okay. And moved up from the planet into the ship. And he sends Isaac to go fix the ship engines because again, everything's falling apart. Well, he is the engine ear. Hey, he he went to school for this. (laughs) By the way, Isaac was really smart, but he was poor. So he went to a state school. Like us. Yeah, but he did really well in state school. So he was still able to get a good job. Unlike us. Oh. (laughs) Because this is our job, guys. (laughs) Right. We get paid for this. No, you know I work in cannabis. (laughs) Kidding. I don't work. Chapter three is called Course Correction. Hammond's like, oh, by the way, the ship's out of fuel. Can you take care of that? Like, Isaac's his fucking task rabbit. (laughs) So Isaac is running around fixing shit, and finally he and Hammond hear from Kendra, who barricaded herself in the computer core, hiding from necromorphs. Ooh, is she being sassy? Of course, she's being a cunt. (laughs) But she's at least in the best place, because she is the computer tech. So she's like, I am in the belly of the fucking computer beast. She discovered that the colonists had a form of dementia and potential insanity caused by a certain artifact from the alien planet that they found. So they brought alien shit onto the ship and didn't think shit was going to go down? Yeah. Oh, never smart. No. Never bring alien shit onto your ship. No. You know how like you're supposed to be cursed if you take rocks away from Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> and that's just on Earth? <laughs> Don't do it on other planets. Right. Their curses are way worse. Yeah. 
So she's able to manually override some doorways for Isaac now, which mm. is nice. But it's just an excuse for her to also pop on and be like, I need you to go down this hallway. I'm opening it for you. And you're like, great. Thanks, Kendra. It's just she's your girl in the chair. Yeah. And she's also very like bossy. Oh, <laughs> so Isaac's running around. He sees Nicole, his girlfriend. And she's like, I'm so sorry. We got this. And then she disappears. She just runs off. Yeah. She's just out of your line of vision. You don't get close enough to her to be able to grab her or anything. And you don't say anything, which I find infuriating. Like when we get separated at the grocery store, we make faces at each other. When we finally see each other, sometimes I just start dancing. Yeah. I'm real embarrassing to go out in public (laughs) with. Wow. Shit. I'm sorry. It's okay. I've been dealing with it for over 10 years now. Does it get easier? No. Okay. It just keeps happening. Guys, I do not sound great in this. I'm like, I went to a state school. I'm unemployed. <laughs> I'm a fucking asshole at Albertsons. I'm not coming out great in this No, one. you're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. I was fishing. We're all loving you. Chapter four is called Obliteration Imminent. Dear Lord, for who? Everyone. <laughs> so now there's an aggressive meteor shower happening. An aggressive meteor shower. Not and just your regular everyday meteor shower. No. So... You know, in Among Us, there's on the first main map that everyone's played, there's one task where you have to shoot meteors. Yeah. You do that in this. Stop, really? Yeah. They're like, yo, there's a crazy meteor shower. I'm scared our shit's going to get knocked because our ship, the Kellyan, is a lot smaller than Ishimura. Ishimura can handle a couple meteors. Okay. Our dinky ass fucking emergency (laughs) rowboat ass ship. Will fall apart. So we have to shoot these meteors. Hell yeah. As he gets to shoot some meteors. Oh, that's pretty great. It's pretty great. With lasers? <laughs> like space cannons? Okay. I'm, I'm not sure what the best phrase is for. I, I'm not great with space armory. <laughs> but you get to shoot some fucking meteors. That's pretty cool. So yeah, it's literally raining asteroids and meteors. It feels a little old school. Like It's engaging. It's fun as a mini game area of the game. Okay. I like that they did that. And while this is happening, Hammond is like, okay, let's go do this. And Kendra keeps hopping on comms to be like, Hammond, what's going on here, though? Like, for real. I don't trust you. Why didn't you tell us about the marker shit? Why didn't you tell us about what's going on? And Hammond's literally like, I got the same information you got. Right. You were there when we got the call to come here. What do you mean? I'm not withholding information from you. And she's like, I don't trust this motherfucker. And he's like, I kind of don't care. <laughs> we need to get off the fucking planet. Yeah, I don't need you to trust. That's not his tone. I, I'm, I apologize. I'm giving you some hyperbole. He's literally like, Kendra? No. <laughs> I did not know about the marker. And she's like, I don't trust you. I'm not a voice actor. They did a lot better. But I'm paraphrasing because that's how it works for my lizard brain. Okay. Well, thank you for that breakdown. I wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. (laughs) For sure. And again, Isaac's giving them nothing, (laughs) which is also infuriating. And Kendra's just shit talking. Hammond's like, can we be fucking professional? I almost died like eight times today. Yeah. So Isaac's running through the facility for more shit. He sees Nicole's face on a computer monitor, but then it disappears. What is this girl up to? It's creepy, right? Yeah. Like, why are you even into this chick? (laughs) She's a cute blonde. Why are you even into this chick? I got nothing for you. (laughs) She's a space medic. She's very lofty. I like brunettes, so. Aw, cool. My hair's purple. (laughs) While Isaac is exploring, he hears a woman scream, and he finds a video log of someone named Dr. Kine 
attempting to relieve Captain Matthias of duty because he's crazy from alien exposure to the marker. Oh, no. And accidentally stabs him in the eye with a needle while he's trying to sedate him. Holy shit. So there's What's in the needle? Like, like sedation? Yeah, literally, he's like, you're fuck. Okay, so theater time. Doctor's like, you're being fucking crazy, and you're trying to run this ship, and mm-hmm. I don't trust you. And he's like, aliens and shit. Right. And there's crew members trying to hold him down. The doctor's holding a needle, and he's like, "I just let me, just let me fucking chill you out." Accidentally stabs him in the eye because homeboy is like rocking his shit. Oh no! And the entire crew is like, "The fuck is happening?" Oh! <laughs> and they're like, "Are you trying to kill him? You're trying to kill him." And he's like, <laughs> "Do you all just not see his ass have a meltdown?" Right. I'm trying to make him calm. You guys are freaking out. Anyway. Oh my gosh! Just the whole ship's like hierarchy is falling apart. Yeah. So we're seeing that. Exposure. I want to take a moment to kind of recap. So alien exposure to this marker is giving people some form of dementia where they don't know what's going on. They're disoriented. Mm. And it's giving them some insanity things where right. they don't know what's going on. They're losing it and they're getting aggressive. Now, when you come into contact with the necromorphs, when you're a corpse, they can kind of take over your body and turn you into a necromorph, kind of mutilating your corpse and making you this alien being. Or if you're alive, they can kind of envelop you and start decaying your body from the inside out or the outside in. It kind of depends on who eats you, but they can turn you into a necromorph. And that's the infection that we're talking about. The infection can also relate to starting to be crazy and being like, oh, I think you're exposed to this shit too much. And then the necromorphs kind of follow. We've got crazy alien cordyceps here. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, not to make it all about like Last of Us and what they did, but. These kind of sound like space zombies. Yeah, they're space zombies. They're a little elevated, but as long as you get the key points. Yeah. I'm I mean, trying to lay down for you. You said some are like really tall, so very elevated. But um bum. Hey. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Hammond says that he had to send the escape pod off be- that he trapped the necromorph in because it was trying to escape and get at him. So he's like, hey guys, just as an FYI, the necromorph in the escape pod is gone. And everyone's like, good job, Hammond. He's like, probably should have done that a long time ago, bud. Yeah, they're like, was that not your first response <laughs> to get the alien farther away from you? Why did you wait until it was trying to escape to do anything about it? We're like two chapters after he fucking did this. <laughs> he's a security officer. <laughs> the security officer doesn't know what to do with the prisoner. <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit of a lore drop because some of this is through audio logs, so you can miss them. Some of this is through Mm. video logs. Some of it is like paying attention. Right. So Captain Matthias, who is dead, as we know, is a crazed unitologist who wants to deliver the marker to the Church of Unitology. The marker is an alien artifact that was brought on board the ship, and it seems to be turning people insane, making them see things and forgetful, basically making them lose their shit. The Church of Unitology is a cult that believes necromorphs are the next natural evolution of humanity and that they are truly the future and humans need to submit to their alien overlords. I, for one, welcome our new undead overlords. So the marker is something that is worshipped, something that kind of delivers some sort of power to their necromorphs. And this church specifically is like, hell yeah, sounds great. I'm into it. And most people are like, those are bad. Please make it stop. This does not sound great. This sounds terrifying. Yeah. Like, I have a look of horror on my face right now. You do not look happy. No. You have lemon face. But, like, zealots will be zealots. Zealots be zealoting. Yeah. As those kind of terms come up, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Yeah, definitely. Because what the fuck, man? (sighs) (laughs) 
He wants to infect all humans with this zombie virus. I don't know what to call it. Alien zombie virus. That's fair. He thinks he's saving them. Oh my, no. And fun fact, just to also derive for a second, canonically, Isaac Clark's mother was a part of the Church of Unitology. Oh. And in this world, the Church of Unitology functions on a system where the more money you give to the church, the closer to the church you become and the higher you rise in the ranks of the church. Much like... Christianity? And... Scientology. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That one, too. <laughs> I don't think the Pope is, like, the biggest donator to the church, but <laughs> wouldn't that be horrifying? I was going to say great. <laughs> but the people on his left and right are. Isaac Clark's mother actually drained all their bank accounts and gave it to the Church of Unitology, which is why he had to go to a state school mm -hmm. and couldn't get into the big schools that he really wanted to go to, even though he's absolutely brilliant. So he's had some experience with the Unitology growing up. Not a fan. Now, this Unitology, like this artifact and everything. So I feel like the Unitologists knew about these alien zombies beforehand. To some extent, there wasn't a lot of understanding of it. Okay. There was a sense that they existed. There was a sense that this is the natural evolution, but n there wasn't a lot of contact. And obviously the contact wouldn't really come back to Earth because once you're in contact, you become one. Communication is a little hard because you're just a screaming zombie alien thing now. Yeah, they couldn't even make it to Earth because they ended up killing even the captain of the ship that they were on. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a rough one. Uh, there's not a lot of people that were able to study it and then come back, you know, because you're just dead. Yeah, clearly the superior race. Yeah, <laughs> obviously the natural next step. So the next chapter is called Lethal Devotion. These titles, these chapter titles are ridiculous. Which is going to be my heavy metal band's name. <laughs> Lethal Devotion. So Kendra hops on comms and she's like, so there's poison in the air and now it's your problem. And makes Isaac go fix this ship by creating some chemical compounds to reverse the poison in the air and fix the filters or some shit. Uh, this part gets a little tricky, but <laughs> basically there's poison in the air. It's fucked up. Isaac hears a voice telling him that he can't get in the way of God's plan but then he doesn't see anyone. Oh, no. Question, though. Yeah. This whole time, are you in a spacesuit? Yes. You are? Yes. So what does the poison air matter? Kendra and Hammond are not in spacesuits. Okay, they're not in spacesuits. Correct. Is Nicole? No. When uh, we see okay. her, she's like in like a regular outfit. You are the only person that has a helmet on. So there's air here yes. that people can breathe. Correct. And it is at pressure. Yes. Okay. But they are now poisoning the air. Correct. Okay. And for like atmospheric purposes, you have a helmet on more yeah. than anything. Just because Gordon Freeman's in a fucking uh, <laughs> suit for a minute, you know? Yeah. Isaac finds an audio log from Dr. Mercer discussing his test subjects and his attempts at limb regeneration. Limb regeneration. Not good. Especially for these creatures that need to be chopped up into bits. Dr. Mercer appears delusional or insane, and he notes that his patient is compliant despite clear desperation and fear sounding from the patient in the background. Yeah, no shit. Very uh, Mount Massive. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac keeps moving and he encounters Dr. Chalice Mercer, who sees him through a window. So they're separated by a window pane. Okay. Dr. Mercer informs Isaac that the human race died out years ago. Humans just had not accepted it yet. Which, oh. what the fuck? What does that even mean? He explains that God's plan. <laughs> okay is to place the necromorphs as the successor to the humans, and he releases a giant necromorph on Isaac. Oh, no. Which, like, are you proving your point? Like, what's happening? 
Since this necromorph can regenerate limbs, Isaac ends up having Kendra unlock a door and help him escape that way. He's like, I literally can't fucking get this thing down because it keeps growing back. And the only way to kill them is to cut off their limbs, which keep coming back. So fuck me, right? So he made a hydra. <laughs> like, cut off one head, two more grow in its place. Bad. But yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> Hammond messages Isaac and he's like, hey, I can't breathe. <laughs> oh no remember the air it's poison Isaac runs into Dr. Mercer again who's like oh shit you're doing great but it's a waste and you need to embrace death and be a necromorph now so Dr. Mercer wants to become a necromorph at this point he worships the necromorph he is big in the church he has made it to space org he is <laughs> all about it I'm just curious like do they feel like suicide doesn't get you to be allowed to be one I mean, technically it does, but I think they want to be absorbed or they want to learn more about their alien overlords before they're engulfed in it. Okay. And I think that's the vibe I get. So Hammond has been trying to get in contact with Kendra, but Kendra can't reach him. And when Isaac is trying to reach Hammond, he keeps cutting out. So now we're worried about Hammond. Mm. We're like, he just messaged me like, I can't fucking breathe. And now we can't get him on the phone. Right. So Kendra's trying to turn the oxygen on remotely. But Dr. Mercer locked her out of the controls, so basically everyone's super fucked. This Dr. Mercer is just trouble. He's the worst! He tells Isaac that he was a part of a plan to spread the glorious infection of the necromorphs loose upon the earth. And it was happening soon, and then six a necromorph on Isaac, and he runs away like a bitch. Like a little baby bitch. Oh, he's such a creep. <laughs> While this is happening, Kendra is doing her hacking thing and she overrides Mercer's lockdown and Isaac is able to access a secondary tram system to get to hydroponics. 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 Are we getting to the weed farm? Chapter six is called Environmental Hazard. <laughs> These all sound like great metal names. Like <laughs> Now, is there any other humor in this game other than the chapter titles? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so just the chapter titles are like tongue in cheek. Yeah. The rest of the game's like tongue ripped out of cheek. And they're they're really creepy. These chapter breaks in between are like kind of a static screen over thing where it's like chapter six fucking crazy <laughs> shit environmental hazard. And you're like, all right, let's fucking go. Like it's a moment where you chug a shot and you're like, let's fucking do this. You know, it's the one breath you can take. Yeah. Isaac's running around and he meets up with Hammond, who's clearly starting to get sick from the poison in the air. So it's not a neurotoxin where you just die. Right. It's like, oh, no, I'm not feeling so good. Oh, you're going to slowly die. Worse. So he's like, I found some of the crew and they're turning into necromorphs. Shit's bad, my guy. Isaac runs in to go fix the air supply and kill whatever's trapped in the air that's poisoning the air. Right. While he's doing this, Kendra's in his ear and she's like, dude, I do not trust Hammond. He's keeping secrets from us and this shit's already shady. Why would we be here? He probably fucking knew about the marker. This is bullshit. He's keeping so much from us. Oh, no. Is he one of them? Is he also a worshiper? Oh, this is exciting. While Isaac is running around, he runs into Nicole again, who asks him to make us whole. And then he gets attacked by a necromorph. And while that's happening, she disappears. Who's us? You and Nicole. Oh, to make the two of you whole? Yeah. What is she up to? <laughs> you can't trust this bitch. You can't trust anybody right now. It seems like Sassy is the only one you can fucking trust. Remember, the infection can make you crazy. Oh, no. Nicole's been on this ship for a minute. That's true. Isaac reconnects, and Kendra says she found a distress signal in the mining area of the ship, and they can use a beacon for help over there. 
So she's like, yo, we can get the cavalry, get down to the mining area. There's a beacon that works. And he's like, thank fucking God. They have to go down to the planet, though. Just the mining area of the ship. So you're getting close to the surface, but it's like the part that pulls shit up. Got it. Okay. Where they're starting to go through. Because again, this is a ship that's made to go mining for materials, food, resources, and shit. So whatever that section of the ship is called. Okay. Again, state school education. (laughs) I'd say left. It's over there. (laughs) Fucking you figure it out. Chapter seven. Into the void. (laughs) They're so metal. I love it. They really are. Isaac goes to the mining area of the ship to send out a stress signal because holy shit, everything is fucked. (laughs) While he's fighting aliens, he's seeing bodies. He's seeing some survivors, but they're dropping dead or they're like catatonic. So there are people aboard the ship. They're just fucked. But it's kind of presumed that a lot of them have turned into necromorphs because there's a handful of corpses, but a whole ton of aliens. Oh, wow. So we we came just way too late. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is bad. (laughs) So Kendra's like, yep, by the way, people did not start losing their shit until they brought the marker on board. So the marker's clearly, seriously, some bad fucking news. That's the fucking problem right there. Yeah. Because she's also, you know, she's in the computer area. She's able to access files. She's a computer specialist. She can go through the files. She's reading, like, the med files. She's going through the captain's log, the black box of the ship. She's trying to piece this together with you. Mm -hmm. Isaac finds a log from someone on the ship who apparently held a man hostage, demanding to be able to see the marker. And he's clearly losing his shit over the alien marker thing. So it makes people seriously crazy. And now Nicole shows up again and she claims that she can help him. And she's like, come follow me. And Mm. this is the first time she's like really active and not just like, hey, all right, I'm fucking off. And then just disappears on you. Yeah. So she's like, hey, come with me. Okay. And there's like a big space gap between them. Like you can't run to be super up on her. You can't touch her or anything. Oh, social (laughs) distancing and all. (laughs) <laughs> social distancing in space. <laughs> Isaac has to defend her from some necromorphs while she unlocks a door to get into a new room. And she's helping him get towards the beacon. She's like, yo, this way to the beacon. I got you. Right. So she unlocks it and she tells him she'll eventually find a way to get to him and that she loves him. And then she just fucks off. She keeps fucking off. Isaac is like fucking with the beacon. Like, hell yeah. Send the cavalry. We need help. Kendra tells him to attach it to an asteroid so it gets blasted into space. Smart. (laughs) Which is punk rock as fuck, too, to be like, slingshot this bitch. This sassy girl is smart. She's a computer tech. Yeah. Those bitches are smart. STEM for women. Hell yeah. (laughs) At this point, she's also like, Hammond's probably dead, so let's run with this. You got me, buddy? You got to stay with me, okay? We didn't really trust him anyway, apparently. Yeah. He hasn't been in contact for a while, so like, let's just fucking roll with this. Isaac goes a little further to head towards the bridge and Hendra hops on comms and she's like, dude, I'm kind of freaking out. I feel like I just had a vision of my brother. Who's her brother? Just some fucking guy. She's like, I'm scared that the alien shit is starting to get to me and I'm starting to lose my mind a little. Oh, shit. She's like, maybe it's cabin fever, kind of like maybe I'm just fucking getting paranoid. But I swear to God, I just saw my brother. Oh, that's scary. Chapter eight. Search and rescue. <laughs> sorry I, I know that takes it out but I can't not when I see how silly they are <laughs> Isaac gets to the bridge and hears from Kendra that another ship has responded to the distress signal oh good but she can't respond until the comms are fixed oh which shit which means a fetch quest they need to fix some shit Isaac needs to fix some shit <laughs> while she sends Isaac out he kills a bunch of aliens and Kendra pops in to be like hey I need to tell you something 
We need to be careful. Someone is listening in on our radio signal. You and I are not alone. Yeah, it's probably Hammond. It's not. Well, shit. Isaac gets to the comm center and gets a notice from the ship that they got their distress signal that they sent and that they see an escape pod that they sent. Oh, no. No, don't get the escape pod. Isaac and Kendra are like, oh, no. We sent you a necromorph. And Kendra's like, we have to fucking stop it. Oh, Jesus. They also then realize that the ship that got their signal is going full speed into their ship and will collide. Why are they going so fast? (laughs) I don't think they realize that the Kellyan is already docked because the Kellyan's power's down. Oh, so they can't even see it. Yeah. And that's right. You were saying like the radar is not even bouncing back. Correct. Because the Ishimura has no powers. Now their ship has no powers. So they see Ishimura and they're like, cool, docking bays, probably... Right of center, we're good. Oh no, they are calculating this all wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's no power, so they don't have the signals bouncing. They can't say, hey, watch out, there's already a car in the parking lot. Fuck yeah. And that car's got an alien in it, it's gonna kill you all. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's so bad. You get so excited being like, they got our signal. Holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> It's so much worse. It's so bad at every turn. So Kendra's like, you have to get the fuck out of there because comms is like right above the docking bay. You are way too close. That shit's going to hurt. Yeah. And Isaac's like, oh, no. And then he gets knocked out for a while after the ship collides. Oh. That's how bad it is. Isaac wakes up watching like a vision watching the same video of Nicole that he was watching in the beginning of the game. And then Hammond cuts in. Hammond's alive. Hammond is alive. He's basically like, you guys, this is insane, and we have to get the fuck off this ship, and we have to go home. I'm fucking over this shit. No explanation yet from, like, where the fuck he's been? No, he's kind of just like, this is fucking terrible. (laughs) So we can assume he's just been shitting his pants and fighting aliens. He's just been sucking his thumb under the table, just scared. That's what I would do. Yeah. He's like, there's a shuttle that we can use to get home, and we gotta meet up, and we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, this shit ain't worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Isaac's like, all right, I'm gonna head over. Oh, no, the shuttle's exactly where the new ship, the Valor, crashed. Great. Of course it is. Chapter nine. (laughs) Dead on arrival. Oh, my gosh. Isaac needs to get a ship core from the newly wrecked ship so they can fix the shuttle and get the fuck off this ship. So now we have two crashed spaceships in the parking lot. (laughs) I got to get the engine out of one and pop it into the escape shuttle so we can get the fuck away from here. Now, is everybody dead on the new ship? We getting over there. You gonna see. Okay. But probably. <laughs> it's kind of hard to it survive cr- a sh- ship crash. Crashed at speed and suddenly went to zero from like 400 miles an hour. It's like space miles an hour, too. Everybody just slams into the side of the wall. And they already picked up a necromorph in the escape pod. Oh, they did pick it up? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> they, they, like, you said a distress signal just being like, S-O-fucking-S, and they were like, Hey guys, we got it. We're on our way. We're heading over as soon as we can. And we're going to pick up your escape pod so you guys can be reunited. No. (laughs) It's like the worst case scenario. I'm laughing, but it's terrible. (laughs) Isaac's like, cool. Fix the shuttle. Get off. Hammond's like, I'm on the Valor. And it looks like they were ready for some shit to go down. Like these motherfuckers are strapped. Right. Like, did they know shit was going this bad? We just sent an SOS. <laughs> so Isaac has to go through a shit ton of wreckage and ends up swinging by the escape pod that the Valor picked up containing the necromorph they oh. accidentally launched. 
Isaac waits for Hammond to unlock some doors, and while that's happening, another strange make us whole again message comes from Nicole, and it appears on the monitor, and it cuts out. What the hell? Like, on the computer monitor? Yeah. What is... This chick is strange. Right? Isaac runs into Dr. Kine, who was the one listening in on Isaac and Kendra. Oh, so there was, like, somebody truly listening in. He's like, look, I get your mission. But let's use the shuttle to leave the marker on the planet to keep the necromorph infection from spreading. Because clearly this shit is not going well. He's like, I totally get it. This sucks. But think about humanity. If we get this marker off this ship back on its own planet, it's recontained on its planet. And then it doesn't risk getting taken home with the ship. It doesn't risk hitting you or Hammond or Kendra or me. Like, let's put it back where we found it and walk away. And then we'll leave. I promise we'll leave after that. Definitely. It's the logical thing to do. Should have been the first thing. (laughs) Isaac finds a text log from the chief of staff of Earth Defense to Commander F. Cadigan, the captain of the Valor, the cavalry that came in. Yeah. The message reveals that they were both well aware that the marker, referred to as marker 3A, is on board the Ishimura. So they knew. Oh, And that the Valor was deliberately sent to retrieve it by any means necessary. Oh, my gosh. They were fucking waiting. Who called them? The chief of staff of Earth Defense. Who's that? Just the fucking chief. Oh, okay. Well, not somebody we've met before or anything. No. Okay. <laughs> Just fucking the head of Space Force down on Got Earth. It. <laughs> fucking the Steve Carell of that world. Ironically, the Valor only became aware of the Ishimura's exact location once Isaac sent a distress call. Oh, damn it. Isaac. So, so they were kind of circling, being like, all right, our one mission is to find the fucking marker and take it home. And Isaac's like, please help me. I'm dying. And they're like, it's there. Let's fucking go. We need to find this pitch black ship against a pitch black sky. <laughs> right? It's bad. <laughs> Isaac gets through the ship and gets to an area where he sees Hammond behind a pane of glass. And they're like, oh, thank God. Okay, you're here. I'm here. We're good. Yeah. While he's like, oh, there's Hammond. Hammond's legs get ripped off <gasps> by a giant necromorph. And then he's crushed to death. Oh. And then his body is slammed against the glass. Oh, no. Hammond is now officially dead. So it didn't matter if we trusted him or not, because he fucking dead. It doesn't matter what his intentions were at this point. Oh. Isaac deuces out and heads back to the dock. Yeah, I would too. Chapter 10. Sorry, this <laughs> one's really good. End of days. <laughs> There's only 12 chapters. Only 12, that's all. we're in the end game now. (laughs) Right. Isaac is heading back to the shuttle when Kendra messages him, saying someone fucked with the shuttle and fucked with its navigation system. Again, pitch black, surrounded by pitch black, you need nav to get home. Yeah. I mean, I'm mad at everybody. That is how you should feel for everyone. (laughs) Just for poor Isaac, who's an engineer. Yeah. He just wanted to fix some space shit. He was too smart for the school he went to. He deserved better. His mother wasted all their college fund money on some dumb shit. Worshipping aliens. And like now he's dealing with the very bullshit that like kept him from going to a good school. Oh, the irony. It's this poor guy. Yeah. If I were him, I wouldn't be silent. I'd be popping the fuck off. (laughs) And then on top of it, his girlfriend keeps being like, hey, make us whole again. And then dipping like a fucking lunatic. Like that means something to him. (laughs) So the son's Isaac on a fetch quest to get the keys to the navigation cards so that they can get home. It's like a it's like three pieces of nav. Okay. so with this, you're just cruising around different parts of the ship. 
Isaac finds a text log that extensively scrutinizes the Church of Unitology, rightfully so, a religion which is based on the worship of the original Black Marker, an alien artifact discovered on Earth by Michael Altman, believing the marker is from the gods and creates the new evolution of species, the necromorphs. Oh, okay. So So I wanted to give you some exposition before we got to the text dump, just so you understood and like why this is so powerful. Right. Otherwise, it feels a little confusing. It's still a little confusing, but it's starting to make (laughs) a little bit more sense now. Isn't religion all like that? (laughs) The marker on board the Ishimura, marker 3A, is actually a replica of its black counterpart. This one's red. So it's not the original one. Isaac is confronted by Dr. Kine again. Kine's like, I'm in the crew deck. I would like to speak to you, please, on the security system once you've gotten the navigation cards. Isaac finds Mercer's messages about accepting and embracing death. Always. Which is fucking horrifying. Yeah. It's apparent that he's convinced a majority of the surviving crew members, especially the unitologists, to commit suicide and killed anyone who refused to so that they can all evolve. Oh my god. Right? <laughs> Just all murder suicide. So like with Heaven's Gate, right? That was a cult and they they were the ones with the Nike's, they mm-hmm. had their bus fare for space in their pockets. They did a mass suicide so that they could move on to the next level of their existence, essentially, just to put it in a very brief nutshell. Yeah, they didn't, everybody. That's not something that actually happened for them. They just died. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Or they got into the alien spaceship behind the hale comet like they tried to, so... Yeah, they brought their bus fare. That's true. They did. That's my favorite part of that, is that they all had, like, $4.30 in their pockets for bus fare for space. Weren't they also the away team or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they had t-shirts made that said, like, Earth Softball Away Team or some shit. They had a weird sense of humor about the suicides. Right. But then, you know, on the other hand, there's Jim Jones at Jonestown. It was the largest group of Americans that died on non-American soil in one single day or something like that. Oh, wow. It was 900 plus people. And yes, some people did actively drink the Flavor-Aid that was laced with arsenic, but a lot of people were forced to at gunpoint to drink it, too. So it was a murder-suicide. It was essentially a large murder. Like, who the fuck would want to do that? No. And that was done just because the government was closing in on them, was going to shut them down, and Jim Jones is a punk-ass bitch and was like, fuck that. Right. Let's end everything. Jim Jones didn't even take it. He had someone else shoot him the next day. Right. Because he couldn't even do that himself. Absolute worst. In a similar vein, this fucking guy did it. Wild. Ugh. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Andrea's really into cults, so it gets her really riled up once you get her going. I love the psychology behind it. It fascinates me to no end. Yeah. Isaac is ready to go meet Kine, but Kendra's like, heads up, he could be fully crazy. He's been around the marker. He's been on board for a minute. Maybe don't trust him because, again, this shit makes you insane. Yeah. It literally makes you see things. It alters your reality. You're losing your mind, okay? Does that have anything to do with it being a replica? It's still very much, like, powerful. Okay. Yeah, even though it's not the original one. Got it. Isaac rolls up on Kine, who's talking to his dead wife before he notices Isaac. He's kind of like, babe, you know, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. He's like pacing, but talking to himself, but talking to his wife. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, (laughs) right after Kendra's like, yo, he might be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He tells Isaac that because the shuttle shock point drive isn't working, escape is impossible. Impossible. But he's like, don't lose hope like I did. I was one of the people that fucked up the ship's engines and centrifuge in an attempt to destroy the marker to keep Earth safe. 
Oh. So he's been fucking ratmaning this shit, but for the worse. For the worse, but like also just trying to save better. Earth. Yeah. Yeah, like for the worse for Isaac, who's really fucked in this situation. But he's his heart's in the right place. He doesn't want the marker to go to Earth. He's trying to fuck shit up so this ship goes down. Like Yeah. He's like, this is so bad. It kind of reminds me of Halo and the Ark and oh. the Flood and everything. And just like that was the purpose of all of it was to keep the Flood from ever getting out. Yeah. And he's like, for the love of fuck, <laughs> please stop. This feels like an early iteration of that, if anything, where it's just like they're trying to contain the first outbreak. Totally. So Kind shows Isaac a video log from the planet colony showing a massive creature that emerged as a result of the planet crack. So oh. while they're fucking fracking the planet for resources, <laughs> they might have accidentally uncovered some crazy shit. <laughs> this is the creature Mercer previously referred to as the hive mind. The hive mind? Ooh. So like, is this like our rat king from Last of Us 2? Yeah. Really? This is the big one. Okay. This one's stupid big. <laughs> the hive mind controls all of the necromorphs telepathically, and that's why they all work together as an ecosystem and are so resilient. Oh, damn. Jesus, fuck. He also says that the marker can contain the hive mind if we return it to the planet. If Isaac can bring the marker back down to the planet, they can seal the hive mind and kind of contain the situation. Oh, okay. Isaac's like, copy that. <laughs> I'll grab the marker, get it on board so we can drop it back off on the planet and stop the necromorphs. For the love of God. That sounds great. I hate today. <laughs> I hate today. <laughs> <laughs> Worst day ever. <laughs> Kain tells Isaac to meet him in the flight deck and Kendra advises Isaac stay on his good side. Yeah. She's like... That dude, I get what he's doing. He knows a little bit more about this than we do. Yeah. Help him out. That sounds like it's for the better. I agree. Let's just fucking get this done. I can't see a bad side of this yet. She's also like, he's been trying to destroy the ship while we're on it. So please don't piss him off. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's a little bitch. And she's also like, if you stay on his good side, that for sure ensures us a ride off this bitch. Because he doesn't want to die on this planet either. No. We'll take him home, I guess. Hammond's seat's open. Yeah. Let's fucking work together. Okay. <laughs> There's one working shuttle. <laughs> we have to use this appropriately. On Isaac's way to the tram, Mercer contacts him from a room with a giant necromorph called an infector. An infector? Yeah. Uh -oh. So these are ones that can take over live humans and dead humans and make them in necromorphs. And it's kind of purposes to like vampire people into being necromorphs. Got it. So Mercer contacts him from a room with an infector in it. Mercer goes, hey, Isaac. You need to embrace death before he sacrifices himself to the necromorph. Oh, no. He just dies right in, huh? He's like, take me, daddy. <laughs> so now Isaac is dealing with a new mercer who's a form of a necromorph called an enhanced slasher, which the title alone <laughs> should tell you this is a boss battle. Right. And he's being a fucking nightmare. So it's like the normal slashers, but this one's extra strong huge and terrible okay it's fueled by his hate for humans <laughs> and isaac being a human right so isaac kills him and gets to the tram and is like fuck me yeah chapter 11 <laughs> alternative solutions this is like the most normal one yet this one's hopeful right yeah isaac is trying to meet up with dr kine and load the marker onto the executive shuttle 
which Kine brought in from the crew deck to the flight deck. So Kine's like, I will line this shuttle up for you. You need to help me. Yeah. This is a two-man job, and you have a fucking space suit on. Like, let's go. <laughs> so Isaac leaves the tram. Kine's like, hey, go find the marker in the cargo bay and use the cargo loading lift to transport it into the hangar. Mm-hmm. Cool. Isaac and Kendra work together to open doors and corridors to make this happen. Because again, she's like, man in the chair. I can open all the doors. You can't because I'm fucking in the loft or whatever. Yeah. Kendra makes her way from the computer core in the bridge to the hangar where Isaac enters the flight lounge. The first area where the crew entered where they accidentally got trapped in the quarantine. Oh, no. Ironically, another quarantine activates in this room, and Isaac stands his ground against a shit ton of necromorphs. Oh shit! Before he gets into the hangar, which is like it feels kind of full circle in this yeah, moment, totally. which is kind of cool. He was on the outside looking in, and now he's alone with the bodies <laughs> of his former crewmates. Yeah, just everywhere, just decaying or turning into necromorphs. It's worse if they're not there because then you know they've turned into necromorphs. Yeah, you're like ah, Dave was cool. <laughs> Steve owed me ten bucks. Fuck these guys. Kine docks the executive shuttle, but the automatic loading controls aren't working, so Isaac has to bring the marker directly under it, and once the gravity's moving around they, and it's offline, they can shove it up in there. Yeah. Isaac manages to slide the marker along its rail underneath the shuttle with his kinesis powers. <laughs> his kinesis powers? <laughs> yeah, which is kind of cool. He restores gravity, they load the marker, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so Kine is like, dope! He goes outside, waits for Isaac, like right in front of the shuttle. And as Isaac's rolling up, Kine is shot through the chest by Kendra. Oh, no, not Kendra. Sassy ass Kendra. Are you ready? Kendra steals the shuttle. She FaceTimes him as Kine dies and is like, I have been a secret government agent. And my sole objective was to get the marker to Earth this whole time. So it was her the whole fucking time. It was Kendra the whole time. You should never trust the voice on the microphone. (laughs) Shots. Just don't ever trust them. She reveals that this marker is a replica. It was man-made and it was reverse engineered as a version of the black marker to harness similar energy. Oh. Marker 3A was an experiment that was put on that planet to see if it could replicate that same energy and to see what it could do. And of course, once it was abandoned, the scientists discovered its effects and was activated years later when the colony settled on the planet illegally and started tearing it apart. So they set it out there. They're like, let's see if this works. When they came back to start tearing the planet apart, they noticed like, oh, shit. It worked really well. Necromorphs. (laughs) Kendra admits that Kine was right and burying the marker back in the planet would have shut down the hive mind. Oh, shit. And then she just fucks off in the shuttle. What is with the women and fucking off in this game? (laughs) Immediately after Kendra leave, Nicole contacts him. Speaking of. <laughs> and she's like, come meet me in flight control. I love you. So I can take another ship and fuck off. <laughs> she tells him to remotely pilot the shuttle to make them whole again and bring the shuttle and the marker back to the Ishimura to finish the job. Oh. So she's like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> so she's known the whole time this was going to happen. While she does this, Kendra escapes in an escape pod as the shuttle is being dragged back into the hangar. Oh. <laughs> so Kendra's like, ah, Fuck. These damn kids and their Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and the marker is on board the shuttle. So the shuttle and the marker are coming back on board. Okay, good. Isaac and Nicole board the shuttle and travel down to the surface of the planet. Oh, that's a dangerous place to be. But it's exactly where they need to be to put the marker back in the planet. But the, that's where the necromorphs come from. <laughs> it is spooky. I'm so stressed out. Chapter 12. 
dead space. Ding. (laughs) Isaac and his girlfriend, Nicole, have taken the executive shuttle that Isaac did repair earlier. By the way, for sure it works. Containing (laughs) the marker down to the colony in order to contain the hive mind, the telepathic commander of all necromorphs. Now, how are they carrying this marker are they physically carrying it because like it infects people no they're not like touching it they're like rolling it around on a thing okay they're not like it's huge by the way it's probably like 15 feet tall oh okay it's It's a huge fuck it's like it looks like a monument moment like it's a statue kind of thing it's huge okay got it i'm sorry i should have given you the frame of why (laughs) this is like such an annoying task they can't just chuck it down like a football yeah Isaac, being instructed by Nicole, unloads the marker to make them whole again, whatever the fuck that means. Nicole tells him that the marker creates a dead space field that suppresses nearby necromorphs and, like, keeps them at bay. So it kind of gives you this radius of yeah. freedom, which is nice, because they're like, we're not going to be aggressive near godly thing. Right. You know. And the scientists created a podium that amplifies the effect radius a couple years ago. So the hive mind can be suppressed if the marker is placed on this podium. Mm-hmm. Word. There's some drama getting it on and off, but and through some like fights of necromorphs coming at you. But they get there just in time to catch a glimpse of these colossal tentacles of the hive mind. Oh, no. And there's these giant drag tentacles, which are easily like 40 feet long <laughs> and like seven, eight feet tall. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Fucking terrifying. And they're attacking you, and there's a shit ton of necromorphs. This is a huge, wild fight. I was gonna say, you gotta have, like, one last huge battle, right? Oh, it's fucking great. And Isaac's like, I just have to fucking deliver this, <laughs> and then I can go the fuck home. With Nicole? Hopefully. I don't Hopefully. know, she just keeps fucking off. She does. When Isaac finally loads the marker onto its pedestal, it emits an unusual glow, and Nicole emerges from behind it. She says that they are whole again, and then she vanishes. What? And the marker releases a really bright flash. This flash disables the gravity tethers that were holding a huge continent-sized piece of the planet in place. A continent-sized piece of the planet? Yeah. So it comes crashing down? (laughs) It's just like, it's starting to like, the earth is like cracking, basically. Okay. Or excuse me, the the surface is like cracking and getting all fucked up, Mm -hmm. basically. So Isaac's like, well, that's bad. And he's running back to the shuttle. And as he's trying to, he gets locked in an air chamber by Kendra. Fucking Kendra. Who's apparently here now. Why did she show up? And he's now trapped in like an airlock area Mm -hmm. because, you know, space in a glass case of emotion. Oh, these glass cases of emotions just keep coming back to bite us in the ass. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kendra exited her escape pod that she launched in the previous chapter, removes the marker right before Isaac's eyes. She reveals that his exposure to the marker has made him insane since he stepped on the Ishimura. And to prove it, she tells him to finish the video of Nicole that he was watching at the beginning of the game. But this time, play it right to the end. Oh, no. At the end of the video, Nicole commits suicide via lethal injection. Oh, shit. And Isaac realizes that every time he's seen her, it's been an apparition of the marker because he was already crazy. Oh, my God. God, like brain twist, fuck you up, like Bioshock, would you kindly, some bullshit. She was dead the whole time. The whole time, that's why she kept fucking off. Now, there's two things I want to tell you. Musically, Isaac's theme contains four notes in a sequence, D-E-A-D. Of course it does. His literal theme, his fight theme, 
spells dead. That's wonderful. Now, we were joking about the punk rock fucking metal-ass chapter titles. Right. New Arrivals, Intensive Care, Corset Correction, Obliteration Imminent, Lethal Devotion, Environmental Hazard, Into the Void, Search and Rescue, Dead on Arrival, End of Days, Alternative Solutions, and now the one we're in, Dead Space. The first letter of each chapter spells Nicole is dead. Stop. Get the fuck out of here. This is some like Breaking Bad 747 down over ABQ shit. Wow. This fucking game. I was not seeing this coming at all. What the fuck? Oh, I'm I'm Are you okay? I'm fucked up right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God damn, Nicole is dead. Oh. And it's one of those things where when you look back at the chapters, you're like, they literally spelled it out for me. <laughs> literally spelled it out for go me. Go fuck myself. Oh. Now, is that something you had to go and look up? It's one of those poorly hidden Easter eggs that people are like, holy shit, that's so wild. Okay, so it's not like handed to you on a silver platter in game. No. Okay, no, so that is like just some like you have to look up the Easter egg to figure that out. Yeah, you put if you put it together, I doubt I would catch that if mm. I were playing this natively. No. But I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm I have goopy gamer brain. I don't read into things that deeply, but this game did have some secrets hidden in plain sight. God. You know, like the first fuck. time I saw the sixth sense, I didn't know the twist until we got to it, you know? Yeah. I bought it hook, line, and sinker was like, oh shit. <laughs> but same deal with this and like it's one of those things where you know creator Glenn Schofield has been like we spelled it out in a way that we didn't want to just make things obvious but dude she disappears like yeah. she shows up on monitors <laughs> and shit she, of course he's fucking crazy we told you out the fucking gate this makes you crazy oh it affects your brain really quickly you know Isaac is infected oh that's terrible oh, oh that's bad his theme spells dead. Oh, this poor guy. It's not called a live space. No. So the truth is, that, and again, the marker works in a hive mind with those that are infected. Yeah, it does. So, so now what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know where to go with this. You look broken. I, I Well, I am. Fucking, I went on this whole ass journey with us, and now Nicole's dead. Fucking... Our heroes infected, and we're at the end of the goddamn game. Okay, let's wrap this shit up, because you need a nap. <laughs> the truth is that the marker has tried to convince him to return it to the podium the whole time. That's why Nicole was helping him get it to the hive mind. The marker has a subconscious mind of its own. Of course it does. Kendra leaves with the marker, and the exit door finally unlocks. Isaac goes through this door, through a corridor, into the landing pad, just in time to intercept Kendra. The tremors caused by the falling debris cause Isaac to fall over, and just as it looks like Kendra's about to escape on the shuttle, a tentacle of the hive mind squashes her and smashes her against a wall, which kills her. And then you hear the flatline sound because your columns oh, are connected. Yeah. And it's so fucking satisfying. <laughs> fuck Kendra. Fuck that two-faced bitch. So was that like Isaac like controlling the hive mind to get it to do that? No. Oh, the, hi okay. the hive mind is just like, no, we want this on the podium, you asshole. <laughs> Stop it. So since Kendra removed the marker from the podium, Isaac is forced to kill this monster with his weapons rather than suppressing it. Mm -hmm. And this thing's literally fucking massive. I would say on the scale of the starfish monster in the Suicide Squad. Okay. So when I said stories, like truly, like that is the range of we are dealing with head crabs, 
up to starfish monster. Damn, okay. So it's a huge battle. After you finally get through it, the hive mind collapses and its tentacles retract, allowing Isaac to enter the shuttle. Isaac leaves the marker behind, is like, fuck that. Not dealing with that shit anymore. Yeah, and escapes just in time to see debris crashing into the planet. Mm. Sometime after this, give him like an hour to settle. He's in the shuttle. Isaac takes his helmet off and is just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He's alone. Everyone's dead. Yeah. He's infected with some crazy shit. And he opens up his phone and he starts to watch Nicole's video. He's just like, I can't do this. And he switches it off. But then he sees something weird in his peripheral. He looks to his right and a fucked up ghost version of Nicole jumps out at him. Oh, no. And then the screen cuts to white and the credits roll. Oh, come on. (laughs) Like, did he imagine that bitch? Was she actually there? Like, all those questions. All are valid because one, he's crazy, but two, this does take your corpse or body yeah. and turns you into a monster. Ah, oh, Jesus. So this was followed up in 2011 with Dead Space 2, and in 2013, we got Dead Space 3. Mm. And in August of 2021, we, they were announced a remake of the original with updated graphics, and it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I saw that trailer, too. That looked incredible. And they're anticipating a lease for late 2022 with a voiced version of Isaac. Really? Okay. Yeah. A performer named Gunnar Wright, who is exactly to the day 10 years older than you. So why? I'm curious why they would go with a protagonist that can talk this time. Well, this is not being done by Glenn Schofield. Oh, it's not? No, they have a new team running through this one. Um, Glenn Schofield is not on IMDb. I haven't seen him in any press for the remake, so... Presumably, it's just, you know, a bit of a changing of the guards, but it does look really beautiful, and I think it'd be hard to fuck up because they did such a tight, well-done game that, how could you fuck it up? So they did a remake (laughs) instead of a remaster, though? Yes, correct. Which, you know, including voice lines, presumably bringing Gunnar Wright in to do voice. He did do vocals for Dead Space 2 and Dead Space 3 as Isaac, so he is Isaac. Okay. They're just bringing him in for one where one was a silent protagonist. So Isaac does speak in two and three. Yes. I haven't run through them. I don't know the extent of it. Okay. (laughs) But that's pretty cool. Yeah. Damn. That is a wild ride. Right? Are you okay? I am. I'm all right. Like, man, I'm I'm not going to sleep well tonight. (laughs) That twist. That was a good one. It's very good because they keep reminding you this makes you crazy. And you're like, I trust my protagonist. Don't trust your fucking protagonist in a horror game. No. No. Never trust the buddy that is sitting there telling you what to do in any of these fucking games. No. (laughs) Oh, they all had the same damn idea and they all pulled it off really well. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Isn't that crazy that, like, ironically, perhaps the hive mind of these creators did games with similar themes and similar mechanics and similar innovative twists? I mean, they, they just say, like, no good idea goes unfound. Yeah, and they it's just a lot of hidden in plain sight twists that change the entire way you look at the game the second time you go through it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the second time you play Bioshock, you're like, oh, that's exactly where Atlas tells me to do this or whatever. And the mm-hmm. second time you play through this, you go, she's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> she's dead the whole time. I'm going crazy. And Kendra's trying to get in my ear being like, don't trust Hammond. I know exactly what we're doing. Oh, my goodness. She's like, Hammond's probably dead. Who gives a shit? Let's go. 
You know, that's the other thing is that you can't trust the person telling you don't trust other people. Yeah. That's the other thing you got to learn. Yeah. And she's like, Dr. Kyan, let's get on his good side. He's going to grab the marker, show me exactly where everything is, get the shuttle ready, <laughs> then I can fuck off with it. Ugh. It just... My favorite thing is that Hammond put a necromorph in an escape pod, shot the escape pod up, and inadvertently ruined the fucking cavalry that right. was, they thought was coming to rescue them, but really was coming to grab the marker. Yeah. Like, he actually did some good, like, bless his soul. In an offhand way, yeah, by yeah. accident. And they're like, we see your escape pod, guys. We're coming to get you. <laughs> uh, but the lore of this was so fun. I love the world. You know I love a good cult. And the twist is so juicy. It's like a starburst. I love it. And you love a violent, violent, bloody horror game. I do. <laughs> I love cats and violence. Like the extent of my, like, even in movies, I don't care for horror. Like my favorite horror franchise is Scream. Mine is Final Destination. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a gore hound by any means in that media, but in video games, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm broken inside. It's all right. We all are. Yeah. So thank you all for checking us out this week. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and our email is in the show notes. If you have something lighter, you know, that's fine, too. Yeah, none of you are are requesting light games. I'll tell you that much. I, I have so far, I'm like, I want to bring happier games. And y'all like, let's get in some darkness. <laughs> You're like, Murder Pants 4. <laughs> Why? I haven't Murder played the first Pants three. Four. I love it. <laughs> I'll be lost if I haven't played the first three, I assume. I don't know. We jumped into fucking Leisure Suit Larry number seven, I think. Yeah, the first it was one. the seventh one. Those aren't super <laughs> lore heavy, though. So and They're not super linear either. No, <laughs> you don't need to play the first six to know what's happening. You kind of get it. No, I, and I'm, I really have been enjoying the tenth one, too. This this latest <sighs> one that's on the Switch. Uh, Shouldn't be on the Switch. <laughs> it should not be on the Switch. I'm going to die on the hill that <laughs> the Switch should be family games only. Like <laughs> It feels so inappropriate to like play Outlast on the Switch should be on there. It's too dark. I also want to just say I am so beyond excited for the sequel to The Wolf Among Us. Just throwing it out there. You are. I am. I love it so much. It's such a good game. <laughs> it's so exciting that it was announced. I mean, we thought Telltale was gone. Because they were. Yeah, they were dead and gone. And uh, they're back with a vengeance. But like in Dead Space, dead doesn't mean gone. <laughs> Tying it together. All right, Goombas, please remember to rate us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Audible, on whatever device or whatever app you choose to listen to your podcasts. Leave comments on the ones that let you leave comments. Be, <laughs> be nice, though. You know, you can email us if they all the mean ones. Yeah, please don't heckle me in reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Until next time, everybody. Try and sleep tight, guys. Hold your loved ones while they're with you. Bye. Bye.